Hi, Gary Zacharias here with The Apologist Bookshelf. I've been doing a series of books I just call the best of in different areas. Um, we've already done the best of in science and the best in history as far as Christian apologetics go. So this time I've got an armful of good ones that I'd like to do best of as far as social issues are concerned. So let me start with four that I've already talked about individually when I've done uh, podcasts on, on them in particular. And so I'll go more quickly over them. One is called Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. That's Scott David Allen, A-L-L-E-N. And it's an appeal to Christians during a time of huge social upheaval. And uh, so when you hear things like, well, don't you Christians want justice? Well, you sure we do. But we're dealing with critical theory here, and critical theory has a, a they use the same vocabulary, but with very different meanings. And uh, we end up with two different types of societies if we go the Christian route or we go the social justice route. So we've got to wake up, we've got to be aware that the terminology may be close to the same, but what they mean by that is so different and it's very anti-Christian. A second one that I've talked about before was by Nancy Piercy. Uh, terrific author. It's called Love Thy Body. And I would suggest this would be a very good one to get when it talks about some of these the social issues that we're concerned with, like um, death, right? People talk about death. How about not qualifying as people anymore? The hookup culture, homosexual narrative, how that actually demeans the body. Transgenderism, uh, just a, a really wonderful book. It's not necessarily uh, an easy read, but something we probably all need to wrestle with these days when we hear these social issues popping up. A uh, third one that I've talked about in the past is Scott Klusendorf's book, K-L-U-S-E-N-D-O-R-F. Scott Klusendorf wrote a book called The Case for Life, and I would suggest this is the single best resource you can get if you're involved in trying to make a case for the sanctity of human life. Uh, it says equipping Christians to engage the culture. And I think that says it all. It doesn't just make a case for life as an intellectual exercise. It says, okay, you know what's going at stake here and what's going on. How do you interact with the culture? How do you interact with people effectively to change their minds about the value of the pro-life position? Uh, one person said the case for life has set a new standard for pro-life apologetics, I would agree with that. So I've talked about that one before. You can look it up in one of my previous podcasts. Here's a fourth one that I've mentioned before, A Practical Guide to Culture. That's John Stone Street and Brett Kunkel. Boy, I think this is an amazing book. I just love it to death. I've read it and read it and marked it up like crazy. But what I like about it is the way it, it tackles uh, issues that especially our kids are encountering, things like pornography and the hookup culture, sexual, sexual orientation, gender identity, affluence, consumerism, addiction, entertainment, racial tension. And it tells first of, of the lies that the culture is telling our kids, and then it tells how we can combat those lies. So uh, it, it does both. I think it does a really terrific job. So that's a practical guide to culture. Okay, let me suggest a few newer books I haven't talked about. I will get to them, by the way, in future podcasts all by themselves. But just for now, we're just talking about best Christian books dealing with social issues. 
Here's one by a friend of mine, Dan Story, S-T-O-R-Y. Should Christians be environmentalists? You know, Christians take a black eye over the environmental issue, which is so popular these days. Um, people have turned away from Christianity. They say, well, Christianity is at fault. It's the one that's gummed up our environment. It's the one that's pushed pollution and all sorts of things. Really? Is Christianity to blame for today's environmental problems? No, no way. And then the story gets into what the Bible really does say about environmental stewardship, and that's a key word that he uses, stewardship. And so he, his job is to urge all of us to get more informed and to engage in these issues. Now, he's an environmentalist and a Christian, so he can do both. You know, Dan came to our apologetics class several years back and uh, talking on this very topic. And it was really interesting to see the reaction. A lot of Christians were concerned in the class that he was going to come in and uh, be a tree hugger and uh, born free and all this kind of stuff and that he was going to beat him over the head. And uh, so they, I wouldn't say they're upset, but <laughs> body language said they were a little concerned. And he won them over very easily. He's a wonderful person. He writes clearly. Um, it was a real joy to read this book. So it's a challenge. This book is a challenge for unbelievers to reconsider all the misconceptions they have regarding Christianity. And it's a really good call for Christians to understand what the Bible really says about environmental stewardship. I've used a lot of Dan's material when I've talked uh, about Christianity and the environment. So powerful book, uh, something you need to get. It's, it's short, it's easy to read, and it's uh, fabulous. Here's another book that, again, I will probably get to sometime and uh, delve into a chapter in particular. It's by Greg Kokel. It's called Relativism. Now, I love the subtitle, Feet Firmly Planted in Midair. You like that one? Feet Firmly Planted in Midair. Exactly right. So that's Relativism. Uh, the two authors are actually Greg Kokel and Frank Beckwith, B-E-C-K-W-I-T-H. Kokel is K-O-U-K-L. I'll tell you, I, I love just about anything that Kokel puts out. And this is one of his early books, and it, it takes on the whole idea of relativism. Good heavens, this is one of the main features of life today, that there's no truth. Just uh, relativism all over the place, especially out in universities. It started there, and now it's just filtered down to... Uh, everybody in society. So it talks about what is relativism? What does it mean? Especially moral relativism. Then a powerful critique of relativism where it falls short and what it should be, uh, what should be happening with it when it comes to public policy and how to respond to relativism. So uh, again, a fairly short book. It's written very well. It challenges this assumption that is out there about, well, you can't have any truth. Uh, there's no truth out there. Everybody has their own truth. Uh, Coco tells a story, in fact, no, I'm sorry, it's Frank Beckwith tells a story. He was in a panel discussion on morality. And so he talks about lack of censorship and, and what's going on there. And immediately following comments, a young woman says, who are you to judge? Okay, so that's exactly where we are in our society. If you make a comment about anybody else or any other situation going on that involves morality, you get that comeback. Well, who are you to judge? So this book does an excellent job in the area of relativism from a Christian perspective. 
Here's a, another book that I liked a lot, and I got so much out of it. Um, I wanted to do something, a talk one time on transgenderism. So I, I went here and I went there and I went online and found a lot of things. But there's a book that puts so much in one spot where you don't have to go all over the place. It's called God and the Transgender Debate. The author is Andrew Walker. So it says, what does the Bible actually say about gender identity? But it does more than that. It tells what it means to be male and female. And he, he gets into how, do we, how, do, how should we think about gender? He looks at what Jesus said. And so it, it's a powerful book. Uh, let me just quote a few people on the back cover, what they have to say. Glenn Stanton of Focus on the Family, an extremely important, uniquely beautiful, and very practical book, absolutely must-read material. Here's Rod Dreher, who's uh, written a lot of uh, things on Christians and social issues, an invaluable guide for walking through the heat and confusion of this debate. Boy, no kidding, exactly right. A lot of people give real thumbs up to this book. How do we how do we deal with this transgender situation that's going on? These people that are thinking of themselves in some other way than how they're uh, put together biologically. And so, a uh, good book. It tells us what we can do at interacting with some of these people, and it's something you you might want to take a look at because this issue is not going away. Speaking of issues that don't go away. Alan Schleeman, S-H-L-E-M-O-N, Alan Schleeman of Stand to Reason, has written one of the many wonderful Ambassador's Guide books. I say books. It's more of a booklet. It's about uh, 60 pages. And so it's an easy read. This one is called The Ambassador's Guide to Understanding Homosexuality. Again, I've done a talk on this, and I have used a lot of Alan's material. It's really, really good. Um, and, you know, we're dealing in our society now with the celebration of homosexuality, not just the toleration, but everything is changing here, and Christians feel like we're being overwhelmed. And it's it's a fight that we didn't really want to get into, and there's tremendous opposition. It's kind of the line in the sand, isn't it? How, do you, how you respond or how you think about homosexuality is kind of the point where society accepts you or rejects you. So... Shalima says there's a lot of misunderstanding, and we want to have good, solid, reliable information. And then how should we be maneuvering in this field? Rather than just getting a lot of head knowledge, what should we be doing with it? So this is a, an emotionally charged area, of course, that we need to be able to maneuver successfully and kindly. And uh, Alan Shalima does a wonderful job of that. If you can ever have him come to your church, he does a lot of speaking engagements. He's a, a terrific speaker. Again, he's come to our apologetics class. Uh, really good guy. Very easy to talk to. Very clear. Wonderful individual. Good book. Okay, here's the last one. And again, I know I'm overwhelming you with a lot of information here. This is one by Josh and Sean McDowell. It's called The Beauty of Intolerance. Isn't that a great title? The Beauty of Intolerance. We think, well, wait a minute. Are we supposed to say intolerance is always bad? Isn't that the thing Christians are accused of? You're intolerant. But they said, no, there's a beauty to it. Really? Well, where did this topic or this title come from? Josh started thinking about God who hates 
wrongs. He hates evil. He hates injustice. He's intolerant of sin. He hates what it's done to the creation. And because he loves people, he's trying to do something to save us from this ugliness out there. So Josh says that he was struck by this idea of intolerance, and he said, we need to place intolerance in a proper context somehow. So he thought about it. He created a t-shirt. And uh, you talk about getting a response. On the front of the t-shirt, it says, intolerance is a beautiful idea. Now, can you imagine people walking down the beach or walking somewhere in a park and they see somebody walk along toward them? Intolerance is a beautiful idea. They're probably thinking skinhead or they're thinking neo-Nazi of some kind or something just awful. But on the back, okay, so remember the front says intolerance is a beautiful idea. What does it say on the back? Mother Teresa was intolerant of poverty. Bono was intolerant of AIDS. Nelson Mandela was intolerant of apartheid. Martin Luther King was intolerant of racism. Jesus was intolerant of bigotry. And <laughs> Josh says, as you can imagine, I've had a lot of people respond to it. But he says almost 100% positively. He says, why? Because people understand that there's a morality there, that we don't want poverty or AIDS or apartheid or racism. These are wrong and they shouldn't be tolerated. And so... If you look at the Bible, we've got a better definition of what tolerance and intolerance really is. And uh, so this is a good book. It's called The Beauty of Intolerance. Uh, how should we think about it and how should we react to people who, uh, for good reason, say they don't want to tolerate evil in our society? Lee Strobel says this about the book. Here's a timely message. Clearly presented, creatively explained, effectively argued, and lovingly offered as an antidote to the confusion so many feel about this vital topic. Uh, David Limbaugh, uh, Russia's brother, who's a Christian, has written a lot of good things. He says there's a lot of confusion over the nature of tolerance. Should we be intolerant? Are we supposed to be intolerant? Now he said there's valuable insight in this book, compelling stories, and what I like practical steps. I always like books that do more than just give us some head knowledge. They say, here's what you can do, and then go out into the world and make a difference. Okay, so again, I realize I machine gunned a lot of information at you, fire hose coming at you, but if you have particular questions or you want some more information, you can always email me, uh, gary.zacharias at gmail.com, and I'll be glad to go into more information about these books, but Hang in there. Like I said, four of them I've already covered as individual books, so you can go back and look at some previous podcasts. And these other newer ones that I have not covered yet individually, I will. I'll, I'll be getting to them. Uh, so anyway, I, I hope this podcast is helpful to you. We're going to do another couple podcasts dealing with these best of issues. For example, we haven't covered yet. What are some really good books that cover the Bible? What are some good books that cover other religions? So we'll be getting to those later on. So thank you and um, take care.